This is not a redraft, man, but it is my top five rookies for the NBA season thus far. Combo Nation, what up everyone and welcome to episode 242 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. This episode is recording from the Sanchez Show. Shouts to Eric Sanchez for having me on his platform to talk about my top five rookies for the NBA season thus far. A fantastic conversation with Eric. Go subscribe to The Sanchez Show. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. We're going to keep this intro short and let's get into it. really good and welcome back to another episode of the sanchez show i am your host eric sanchez aka legend in two games got a special guest in the building as we approach the all-star break and all-star week and i felt it was only right got a call on the brother andrew salop host of combos court drew how are you doing today i'm doing well man you know it's always great talking basketball with you catching up talking all kinds of sports with you that's what we usually do but i know we're here to talk basketball today absolutely in, in the near future uh because i know you, you're starting to get into the boxing uh thing we're gonna uh, talk uh, some boxing soon no, sorry, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely I'm, a, I'm not a veteran like you but you know once in a while i like talk because i just like watching the sport but i'm not as into it as you but yeah you know once in a, you got to mix it up you got to mix it up especially in the off season you know maybe basketball's not around we got to talk about some different sports but i gotta ask you one question before we started we didn't even talk about this um you know pre-production as they say what do you think about the halftime show at the super bowl i loved it yeah. Um, I thought it was super dope. Uh, the surprise of 50 Cent, because I didn't know if 50 was going to come in. But overall, I thought I thought L.A. did a good job with the Super Bowl. There wasn't as much uh, like star power on the field because, you know, we didn't have the Brady, the Mahomes. We had, yeah. you know, the Bengals up and coming team and the Rams, a team who doesn't don't really have that star power at quarterback. But right. the star power came out at the halftime show and obviously throughout the crowd, LeBron was there, Jennifer Lopez. So I thought the halftime show and the entertainment as a whole was great. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, they're not in their prime anymore, but they definitely put on a great performance. And I'm not going to lie, like Snoop, he kind of is like still in his prime in a way. Like out of everybody, it's like, you know, Snoop is like, he, he's still that he's still got it. Like he's still got it in terms of performance and everything else. I agree. The energy he yeah. brings that we... We saw, remember, at the beginning of the pandemic when him and DMX did the verses and he had that energy and then to see it yeah. like, at the halftime show. So he definitely still it, has it. It's now. like, I don't mean it out of shape in terms of body or fitness or anything. Like, he's in shape in terms of performing out of everybody. Like, he's he still got it, got it, like, in my opinion. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, we are approaching All-Star Weekend, so I want to get your thoughts on some rookies so far. I want to get your thoughts on a specific trade that took place. But before we do that, I want to uh, shout out a project you got going on because we always talk about combos court, which I love. And like I said, I always respect, respect your opinion on basketball and everything basketball. But you, Max Van Orken, have teamed up together. You have the Believe in Orlando Magic podcast. Talk about that a little bit, bro, and how that came together. Max, he talked to the network. He wanted me to join in as a co-host, and we made it happen. And it's been really fun following this team. Um, the network been great. 
The team is young. Obviously, the team, like, you can't sugarcoat it. The team is bad. Like, they're just bad, bro. But they got good players. Like, they got Franz. They got Cole. They got Wendell Carter. Bamba is interesting. So they got all these interesting players. And, I mean, a lot of injuries right now, like Jonathan Isaac, you know, Markel Fultz. But the team is really fun, man. I really enjoy covering them. And I think we're going to talk about Franz Wagner today today because he's one of those rookies that have really impressed but it's just been great covering the magic and talking magic basketball on a weekly basis on a weekly basis with uh max van Auken. he's such a great guy to talk basketball with man absolutely super knowledgeable uh yeah. you guys are both great man so i wish you much success with that joint um the orlando magic like you said you know i don't want to say they're a bad team i i'm a nick fan so i have no space to talk about anybody's team being bad but uh Taking their lumps right now, but they, they've got two interesting rookies. And that's why I wanted to speak with you because I'm big on, on Jalen Suggs, but Franz has probably surprised some people. So let's get into it. We're not doing a redraft. I don't want to say who Detroit should have taken with the number one pick because in, in the moment we all felt Cade was the right pick. I still think he's the right pick. But I want to ask you, top five rookies so far based on performance in the first half of the season. Who's number one on your list? You might think I'm biased because I was really high on this guy <laughs> in the draft, but I'm not biased. I'm going with Scotty Barnes, man. Like he's been everything I told everybody he's going to be. I told people that you should draft him number two, you know, to the Houston Rockets. They did, obviously didn't listen to me, but it's okay. But I think he has been the top performer. I know many people would go with Evan Mobley, but I kind of like um, Barnes' versatility on offense a little bit better than uh, Mobley's. Uh, he's just that, you know, that connective piece that guy who could do everything. He's that player that everybody looks for that like six, eight, do it all. Obviously he was an NBA ready defender, as I said. And I told everybody, like, if this guy gets a jump shot, he's going to be an all-star. The jump shot has had its ups and downs, but it's far from like a Ben Simmons thing. Like he's a willing shooter. And there's times where he's really had knocked it down, especially in the mid range. It looked really fluid. You know, this season stats, 14.5 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, 3.3 assists per game. Uh, and he's leading rookies in minutes on a really solid Toronto Raptors team. He's a winning NBA player already. And to me, he's had the most impact. I like it. And I know you were very high on him before anyone else was. So you have every right to take your victory lap and let everyone know how high you had him projected to go. Uh, I agree, though. I, I think. I, he's not number one on my list. I, I'm not going to go with my list because it's not about me today. But I do have him very high on the list. And I think you're right. We all knew about his defense. But I think his offense is a little further along than I even thought it would be at this point. Yeah, man. His defense. Like, it's crazy how these players, these rookies, these young players are coming in as NBA-ready defenders because usually that takes time. You know, being an NBA defender is tough. Like, it's not all about just staying in front of your man, like the schemes, team defense, help defense. That usually takes time. And it's great to see all these guys like Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, obviously. And and Cade has, has done a pretty good job of it as well. You know, he knows where to go on defense at a very young age. Herb Jones is another guy who's not going to be on my top five, but he's a great defender already, which is amazing. He's playing for New Orleans and doing really well there. He's going to be a really good player for years to come, but it's just amazing to see all these rookies as NBA level defenders already. And Mobley is probably an all defensive player already. Like in my opinion, like he's been just phenomenal on the defensive side and Scotty Barnes is right there as well. Absolutely, man. Based on what you've seen from Scotty, do you think his ceiling ultimately is as a number one option on the team or is he probably still better suited to be a, a complimentary two or three? 
I think he does have to develop the shot off the dribble and get a more fluid jump shot. It's even like we talked about the magic. I think it's the same thing with Franz Wagner, like to an extent, like they got to get their transition from their dribble to their jumper at a little bit higher level to really uh, give them more options on the offensive side. But besides that, he's not missing much. Like he can finish at the rim. He passes real well, high IQ, athletic, long. So I do think he could be a number one option. I think he has the potential. I think it all comes down to the shooting to keep the defense honest. Fair enough. Who's number two on your list, Combo? I got to go with Evan Mobley, man. This guy's helping a really good NBA team. Um, He's a high-level defender already. I don't think he's the offensive player that Scotty Barnes is yet, even though he's a really good passer himself. Makes the right pass. He could improve as a shooter. But just on defense, he's phenomenal. Like, just his wingspan, his his radius around the rim, like he's protecting everything. Him and Jared Allen are a dynamic duo on defense. Uh, and he's getting better on the perimeter. You know, he can attack closeouts, does have to get the jump shot a little bit better, runs the floor. He's been great, and he's been great of a really good NBA team. Like, as I said, it's not usual for guys to come in as uh, NBA-ready players, and he definitely has. And he's the best defensive rookie, in my opinion. The difference to me between the two guys you mentioned, Scotty went to a, a championship culture. We know Toronto had a down year last year, but they kept a lot of championship guys. But Evan, to me, has really changed the culture in Cleveland. I know Jared yeah. Allen has been great, but for all the things that he's brought in as a rookie, and like you said, his responsibilities on defense, being able to switch, play out on the perimeter, I, I think he's been amazing, man. And I did not see it coming as all, at all. When we did the uh, pre-draft podcast, remember I said I didn't mind him slipping down to third but looking back on it now, man, he he is phenomenal. I, I think this this dude is going to be a potential Kevin Garnett in the league. Wow, that's an interesting comp. I think Darius Garland has done a lot for their culture as well and allowing those bigs to play so great. We know Darius Garland is an all-star this year, and his skill level is just phenomenal. He is one of those point guards that puts everybody in place, and that's important when you have two bigs like that. I think a lot of people thought probably that that two-big lineup wasn't going to work, there were some other teams that tried it. Indiana, it obviously didn't work. They split them up. Orlando Magic, you know, that's not really working in terms of wins. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's working. And I think Darius Garland is a big part of that. So, I mean, Garland, we can get into it a little bit as well. It helped that Sexton, you know, unfortunately went out. And, and Garland kind of got the keys. Rubio was a great help for them as well. Yes. Um, so all those things play a factor in it. And I think that's why we didn't see it. We didn't know how this all was going to gel uh, because they were trying to go with kind of a twin towers. And then they went and got marketing who we didn't really understand yeah. how that was all supposed to work as well. Somehow they've been able to make it work with all the bigs and getting production from Kevin Love. Yeah. They got three, seven footers playing, you know, major minutes. And it's kind of interesting. Like we think of this league as an up and down league switchability, but I mean, Evan Mobley is a really switchable defender and that helps out a lot. And that allows him to be able to play with another big like Jared Allen, who could not, who is not as versatile of a defender as Evan Mobley, but he could stay in front of guards when he switches. And, um, you know, marketing, not the greatest defender, but they've been all right with him. He spaces the floor on offense. They're just a phenomenal team. And, uh, you know, as I said, Garland has a lot to do with it. Super skilled and puts his players in place, floor general, table setter, as Rubio was before he got injured. And you mentioned Rubio. Rubio's super underrated player, and he always has been for many years. That team has surprised everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely one of the most pleasant surprises of the season. Who's third on your list, Combo? Man, it's really close between two guys. 
But I'm going to go with Cade Cunningham here. I'm going to go with Cade Cunningham here, the number one pick of the draft. In a redraft, I would probably go even higher than that. But this is not a redraft. This is top performers for the NBA rookies. He has had some ups and downs, but he does some really nice nice things on the court. Um, I think he's going to get a lot better as time goes on. He started out slow because he had some injuries. He had another injury recently. The jump shot has been up and down, but I've seen him shoot in person, and I have no doubt he's going to be a very good to great NBA shooter. His form is just great, and I think what separates him from guys like Scotty Barnes and Franz is the effortlessness he gets from his dribble to his jump shot, and that's why I think he could be like that 1A guy maybe over those guys because he could just get that jump shot off when he wants. Um, He's a three-level scorer. He could play with either hand. He's the second, probably the second best passer, and we'll probably get to the best passer next out of these NBA rookies. But Cade Cunningham could do it all, man, and I think he's going to be really good. I don't know what people were expecting from the guy. What they want him to average 30, 10, and 10? I mean, they were calling him a bust, like like two two games into the season. But I think Cade Cunningham is going to be just phenomenal and just fine in this NBA. Well, you know, the, the social media is, is very critical of every uh, athlete. Uh, especially early in their career. So I think Cade is going to be fine. You mentioned you you feel he has a potential and, and potentially and will be a 1A type player. What do you yeah. think Detroit needs to put around him to get him to that level? Because right now we know they're still in the building phase. I feel like they need a really fast, dynamic guard to place in the backcourt with him. Because that is kind of like what he isn't. Not to say he isn't athletic, because he is a good, I mean, he's an NBA athlete. But I think he just needs that guy next to him, like like a Victor Oladipo in his prime would be great, right? Like this guy that could break down defenses and get up and down and transition really quick. Because Kate is more of that cerebral player, you know. He's more like he's not Luca, but he's like a slow down player, you know. You want to put like a quick, fast, score first player next to Luca, you know, who could space it as well. And I think it's the same thing with, uh, you know, like a Jalen Brunson would be great next to, you know, next to Kate. But yeah, just. I, I just feel like he needs somebody like that. And obviously he needs shooting around him. He didn't really have it at Oklahoma state and he doesn't have it now. He hasn't had great teams. You know, he hasn't been surrounded by great players with great floor spacing. Who's number four combo. Who, who we got here? The best passer in the draft, Josh Giddy. He's the best passer out of these rookies. It's crazy because in the NBA, what do we value most? We value shooting in general and we value defense in general. And Josh Giddy can't really do either. But he's so special in other things that he has such great feel for the game. And he's probably the best passing teenager the, the NBA has ever seen, to be honest. Like the way he passes the ball from different angles, his vision, his awareness is just elite. He has a nice little floater game. He definitely needs to get that, as I mentioned before, that dribble to his shot transition a little bit smoother. He has to get his shot better in general. But he's just a super duper playmaker. Nice around, and he has great size. He's he's like he. It feels like he's six ten. I don't know if he's six ten. Maybe he's like six eight, six nine. But he has really great size, really great finishes, and lay great feel for the game. And the best passer out of the rookies. And one day he could be the best passer in the NBA, in my opinion. I'm going to ask you kind of the same question that I mentioned with Kate because Oklahoma City's in a very unique position with all this young talent. Obviously, when they get Shea Gilgis back, what do they need to put around Shea Gilgis and Giddy? to really make this work. Cause they got a bunch of draft picks and you can't stay young forever. They need rim protection. I mean, when people get to the rim against them, it's open season. 
Like even Julius, even Julius Randle has been struggling. He's been playing a little bit better though. But he was cooking them up when he was getting to the rim, you know. But then they lost that game, which was crazy. I watched that game. That was, you know, and Josh Kitty, That's a moment. That's probably why I raised his stock, like out of these top performers, because that 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 Garden, that was a moment. And then Cam Thomas had another moment against against the Knicks. Listen, <laughs> the everybody's next... everybody's having a moment <laughs> against us right now. All right? But you everybody's know what? Having it, a moment. It feels bigger in the garden, though, but they definitely need rim protection. I think that's what they're lacking. They have the talent. They have some scoring. They obviously have a great playmaker in um in Josh and a super-duper player in uh Shea, who I think could be a star to a superstar-level player. But they need a guy that protects the rim, and I think Chet Holmgren could be that guy. I think he's the best player coming out of this year's draft, and I'd love to see them land him. So, yeah, I would say their number one thing they need is rim protection, to kind of taking, because once they get that, they won't be able to be, they won't tank anymore. Like they'll start winning games. Like they're competitive now. They're com- they're almost too good to take at times. You know, Shea was playing so good at points where they were winning games that who knows if they really wanted to win those games. But uh, yeah, so I think they're going to turn the corner soon. And I like what they're doing there. They're really fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, last year, Shea was too good. That's why they didn't land with a higher pick than what they end up getting. Um, yeah. You mentioned Chet. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. You mentioned Chet. I know on your podcast recently you said you have him number one. Is it clear-cut, head and shoulders above everyone, or do you feel there's enough time for someone to get to that spot over him at number one overall? Well, I, I don't know if it's clear-cut, but he's ascending as other as uh, some of the other guys are kind of idling off. So even when he wasn't the best college basketball player, which he wasn't, he's getting there now, and then even forget about who's the best college basketball player because he has been playing like the best college basketball player recently. Let, let's say he hasn't. If you just look at his skill set, I feel like his game translates to the NBA level in, in just a great way. And he has the highest potential being, you know, seven two rim protection could shoot it, could create his own shot when he wants runs the floor. You know, he just has the highest NBA potential in my opinion. And uh, is it, is it head and shoulders? no, but he's also trending in the direction where it could be eventually because he's playing so great lately. Fair enough. Who's number five combo rounding out the top five. Who you got? Let's, here? let's go with Franz Wagner, man. Since I covered the magic, that's not the reason why I'm picking him here. He's actually has been playing great. Uh, he struggled in summer league. He played a lot better in college than he did in summer league. So it's great to see what he's done in the NBA. We knew he was going to be a great defender at Michigan. We knew that the shooting could be an issue and it has been a little bit, but what we didn't know is like how strong and athletic this guy is. Like he really has nice athletic pop. He gets in the lane. He has a lot of different finishes. He's really skilled in the lane. And one thing about him, which is really important for the modern NBA players, he moves the ball quickly. He doesn't hold it. He doesn't really get into that ISO mode. And those are the type of players that you could build with. You don't necessarily need to build around. I like it, man. I think Franz is, is, exceeded my expectations he's come in he's been very good he's been better than the other rookie I thought they had Jalen Suggs uh so far you cover the magic what what are you seeing from Jalen Suggs Uh, why do you think he probably hasn't lived up to what we thought he was going to be so far well he's he, he has had some injuries but I think he lacks some craft and some skill I think his craft and his skill hasn't caught up to his athleticism yet can he get that? Sure. Like you could, you could improve upon that as time goes on. Um, he got to get a little bit better in the pick and roll. He got to maybe add some finishes in the lane, but he is a really good NBA level athlete. And there was actually a point in the season where they had like no point guards 
he came back and he gave them a little bit of a boost so he could set the table. He could do, do some nice things. I never was like heavy on him really coming, like to be honest, like during the draft, but I wouldn't move off him. Like I could still think he could be a really good player and a player that could really help the Orlando magic for years to come. I like it. Another guy too, that drafted very high struggled a little bit shooting the ball specifically Jalen green. What do you see yeah. from Jalen? What's going on there? Is it just the situation? Cause Houston does seem to be in some turmoil right now, or is it just him adjusting to the, to the pro game at this point? Yeah. I mean, I- I got to be honest with you. I thought he was going to do better than he has been doing, but I have no doubt that he's going to be at least a 20 point score in the NBA. The way he gets separation on his jump shot, his athleticism, he's like the top 1% of the top 1% when it comes to athletes, like he could really jump out of the gym. He's super quick, super quick first step and gets his jump shot off when he wants his decision-making obviously has to get better, but there's a lot of guys like that. Like, Zach Levine's decision-making had to get better, and it did. Anthony Edwards' decision-making probably still has to get better, and it has been. And I think Jalen Green is another guy that it will get better, and I think he will be a 20-plus point scorer in the NBA. I think he's an NBA scorer, and I think next season will be even better for him. All right. So just to recap, you had Scotty Barnes, and we're going top performance, not redraft. Not redraft. Right. Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Cade, Giddy. And Franz uh, Wagner. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sounds good to me, man. I want to get your thoughts on another young player who was surprisingly traded at the deadline. Uh, Somebody who you thought very highly of. Someone who their game kind of grew on me because initially I wasn't sure how it would translate. Tyrese Halliburton. For some odd reason, the Kings decided to include him in a deal to go get some bonus so they're sticking with Fox and now bringing him uh, some bonus to the mix there. Sacramento has, has seemed like a mess for quite some time. This move made absolutely no sense to me, but Combo, please break it down. Maybe there's something that I'm not seeing from this move. No, you're seeing it correctly. It was, <laughs> it was, it was horrific. It was, it was, it was absolutely terrible. I know there's Kings fans out there and there's actually some smart basketball people out there that think, you know, we got the better player. I guess you could make the argument that you got the better player in Sabotis. I mean, he is an all-star. He is a very good player. But the fit doesn't make sense. He's playing with Fox, who's not a plus shooter right now. He's going to play with Rashawn Holmes, who's not a shooter at all. I mean, I don't see where the fit is. And then you got this guy, Tyrese Halliburton. You made the right decision. A lot of teams made the wrong decision and allowed you to draft this guy. And then you traded him. You already you still have the Luca cloud around you from not drafting him. Like, okay, Sabonis is an all-star, but he's a player that you have to build around. And they're not built around him in the right way. I know that you know, Kings fans and some Kings media said they're gonna make some other moves. And this is just the first move. We got a star now. Yeah, they added DiVincenzo, who could, you know, eventually be able to shoot it a little bit better. He's had his struggles recently. He could score it, he could shoot it. But I don't think it's I don't think it's the answer. I think they're going to continue to struggle. You need space around Sabonis, and that team just doesn't have it. They traded away their two best shooters. I understand why you traded away Buddy because Buddy didn't want to be there, and I don't think the Kings wanted him either. But like Tyrese is a plus shooter, and Buddy's a plus shooter, and you bring in a guy that needs shooters shooting around him. It makes no sense. I don't get it at all. It was it was a, it was a terrible move in my opinion. Yeah, and that's why I was saying I don't I don't see how this makes sense at all because you don't have the shooting around them. DiVincenzo is a player I like. Yeah. But I don't see how he really fits either because Davion Mitchell's got to get the minutes now. You drafted him high. And so somehow 
you drafted De'Aaron Fox, you get Halliburton, you get Mitchell, and yet you traded the wrong guard out. Leading up to the trade deadline, all we kept hearing was that De'Aaron Fox was on his way out, whether it was for Julius Randle or they were trying to include him in a possible Ben trade. And I don't know how they landed on the idea of trading Halliburton and then agreeing that, hey, this is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, and Fox would look like he didn't want to play all season. Like he didn't even want to be there. Right. And then you keep you don't keep the guy that wants to be there like Tyrese was crying after. And I, and I said this, uh, I probably said this to you already, like Tyrese is the guy that you could build with. You could bring any star and he'll fit with Tyrese Halliburton. You can't do that with Sabonis. I mean, you could say that we don't know if Tyrese is going to be a star, but I think it's really apparent. The guy had like 44 assists in four games with the Pacers already, and he just got there. Like he's not even he's not even comfortable yet. By all efficiency metrics, Halliburton rated out as a top 20 guard, not just point guard, top 20 guard throughout the league. Yeah. Then on the business side of it, he's on his rookie deal. Why aren't right. you trying to move Fox? And, 100%. and like you said, it 100%. build around Halliburton and then whoever that other guy is, it just doesn't make sense. But I only thing I can think of is they're hell bent on trying to get into at least the playing game. And maybe that's the gift and the curse of this playing game that teams are now striving just to get that extra game or two as opposed to trying to build a winner long term. Hey, what what probably did happen, like I just thought of this in this conversation right now, is they probably did try and trade Fox and healed. And they're like, nah, we're not. And they started getting enamored with Sabonis. We'll take Halliburton if you give us how that's what I think happened now. Come to think about it. Like, and Kings just buckled probably. That's what I think that's what had to happen. But it was just a bad move. Like, and, and this is and it's gonna be really be a disaster if, if Mitchell does develop as a shooter. Because you got Fox, who hasn't been shooting well. Rashawn Holmes isn't a shooter. Sabonis isn't a shooter. And if Mitchell can't shoot it, like, that's that's a lot of your court. That's the core of your team. It's just gonna, know, it's man. just it's, it's going to be terrible uh, floor space. Oh, it's going like. to be like 70s basketball. It's just going to be crowded in the paint. Yeah. And, I mean, even when they made the trade, I'm thinking like, all right, maybe maybe they because Sabonis is a, is a pretty good passer out of the He's high a good post. Player. Yeah. A, excellent player. I just Yeah, definitely. So maybe bad. they're thinking like we're trying to go back to that late 90s, early 2000 Kings team with the versatile big man. But then as I thought about him, like, but you don't have the shooters to make it work. So, you know, he, he's passing to everyone who's within 17 feet of the basket. I don't see how it works. No, nah, I don't see it either. I don't understand it. It's, it's ridiculous. They just wanted to say they got an all star. I think I, I like that's the only thing I could think of. Like we got an all star now. OK. And Tyrese is probably going to be an all star in two years and a guy you could build with. And bring yeah. another star, like another star might want to play with this guy. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah I, don't, I don't get it at all. Um, one last one last question for you. And then, I, you know, I want you to plug everything you got going on. Give me a bold prediction for the second half of the season. Something that no one else is talking about or something that you think is probably going to happen that might send shockwaves through the league. I think the Lakers could still get to the finals. That's bold as hell. I'm, after, after AD went down yesterday, after they, they can't keep... Their quote unquote big three on the floor together. You think they go, they still could go to the finals? Yeah, because I think like people don't realize this. LeBron is still the best player in the league. You really if just they, doubled down on both on both comments. You doubled down. Yeah, because think about it. AD's gonna come back from this. It's an ankle sprain. LeBron is the best player in the league. Like I think he proved that yesterday. Defensively, he's not the same player he's been, but on offense, to me, he's the best player in the league. I mean, Jokic has a great argument for that as well. But I still would take LeBron in the playoffs. Then you're going to get some guys in the buyout, you know, market. 
They got some role players playing really well, like Malik Monk. And not only him, there's some other guys. Russ has improved second half of the season a few of these years. He has played better after the All-Star Blake, just like with the Wizards. These three guys have not played a lot together. And I think, you know, yeah, they're, they've been a disaster. But the media has been made it even worse, I think, than it actually is. Like, they really like, they're really having a field day with this. I'm going to say this. So, and this is not to not, when I said you double down, it's not to say I don't think Braun is still great. I just think at this stage in his career, it's, it's a lot to ask for him to be that way night in, night out. The one thing I did notice in yesterday's game and their comeback win, if, if they go super small, depending on matchups, and just say Braun is going to play the five with Russ and a bunch of shooters, I do think that could work because we saw how much the lane was open for LeBron to get on cuts and for Russ to get into the lane. So maybe there's an opportunity to do that. But long term, I love Malik Monk. I just don't know how this all is, is going to work, man. I feel like I've been saying the same thing all year. I still can't see how this is going to work. One, because they haven't been on the court enough. And two, when they have been on the court, it, at no point has it looked good. Yeah, Russ got to play better, man. Russ got to play better. Russ. And, and, and you know, and Russ and LeBron have to interchange playing that five when AD's not in. You know, Russ has to play more of that. And I've been saying this for a long time, that Bruce Brown role. And LeBron takes on some of that, man. Kudos to LeBron. Like, he adjusts. Like, he plays some center for the team. And I think Russ has to do the same. You asked for a bold take, and I gave you one. Hey, I respect it, man. Like I said, we're keeping the clip. So if it works out, I'm going to say combo called this back in February, man. But um, I, like I said, I, I could see where there are moments it could work if they're willing to play Braun at the five and just say, look, let's put our best shooters out there and, and go from there. Almost like what Houston tried to do with Harden and Russ, you know, just space you out. We're going small. You got to adjust to us. Um, I hope Frank Vogel isn't the scapegoat for this, though, because I don't think it's Frank's fault. Whose fault do you think it is? Uh, well, it's Rob Palinka's. He put this roster together. Uh, did he? I, did he? Because I, I heard otherwise. But he did well, give the he did he did give the okay though at the end. Well, so. listen. I mean, of course, Braun gave the final okay. They had to run everything through Braun. But Rob Palinka, when they made the AD trade, I felt like they gave up too much. Yeah, they won a finals, but I thought it was going to come back and bite them in the butt at some point because they were already too old at that point. And then they doubled down and said, we're going to get even older now. You know, so, it's funny. Like, yeah, it, it's crazy. Cause you know, it's funny. Like NBA Twitter, they usually go crazy. And like, sometimes they're wrong. Like NBA Twitter was absolutely right about this. They're all saying like, this isn't going to work. You know, the fit, you know, and, and they were just absolutely right. And, and LeBron didn't see it that way. LeBron felt that Russ could like take some of that, that, uh, be the engine when LeBron wanted to do the load management thing, or maybe, you know, take a break. Like Russell could, you know, keep that up, keep the team's engine revving. And it really hasn't worked out that way. Like he, I guess he didn't take into consideration that, um, Russ can't shoot the ball from the outside that like, and, and he plays a little bit erratic at times. <laughs> Russ being Russ, man. Uh, yeah. combo, man, before we wrap up this episode, man, I greatly appreciate you stopping in and, you know, chatting with me today. Plug everything, man. Give the social media, let everybody know where they can hit Combo's Court, as well as Believe in Orlando Magic Podcast. Yeah, you can listen to Combo's Court wherever you listen uh, to podcasts. You could, you know, catch me on Instagram at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Twitter, same name as the podcast, Combo's Court, C O M B O S C O U R T. And definitely subscribe to the Believe in Magic Podcast. Me and Max Van Auken talk magic basketball. Every on a weekly basis for the Believe Podcast Network. 
Um, yeah, I think that's about it. You know, I said Instagram already, you know, Twitter. I'm out here, man. I'm just putting out episodes for Combos Court, uh, doing all kinds of things. Oh, you know what? You could actually catch me um, often on uh, Coach Nick's uh, YouTube channel as well. So B-Ball Breakdown. I've been doing some live shows with him. So you can catch me everywhere, man. I'm just and Eric, thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. It's always great talking basketball with you. We need to get you back on my show soon and always appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. We're going to make that happen real soon. Uh, we're going to get together probably closer to playoff time and, and not only talk some basketball, we'll talk some boxing as well, because that's normally when it starts to pick up as well. Uh, yes, how's, sir. How, how's my form? All right. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep the elbow on a little tighter, but you good, though. You good. Though. <laughs> <laughs> now, for my main man, Andrew Salop. Uh, again, make sure you're checking out Combos Court. I am Eric Sanchez. This is The Sanchez Show, and we out of here. We out of here. There it is, man. Another episode of Combos Court. Big thanks to Eric for having me on his platform, The Sanchez Show. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into Combos Court. It's the follow button on that Apple Podcast app. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it on your IG stories. And tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O on Instagram. Be on the lookout for episode 243-Combo out.